0: My name is Emily Jamieson, and I will be your host for The Collaboratory. This listening prayer experience is meant to be largely experimental in the sense that we will collaborate together, tamper with ideas of life and faith and God, and we will form new hypotheses, adjusting along the way. There are no dead ends in a laboratory, but only new ways forward. I cannot wait to journey together. Just outside the window of my cozy little office where I am recording, on the property on which we live, there's an apple grove. And as I stare at the trees in early December, there are no apples. There may be no fruit, but that makes them no less apple trees. Whether they're in full bloom and laden with fruit in the early fall, or entirely barren as they will become in the coming months, they're still apple trees. The character of the tree has not changed nor has its potential for bearing apples and no other kind of fruit. The DNA of the trees is fast and secure. In the same way, God has a DNA of sorts, and a particular kind of fruit that he bears. In the scripture, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit of God, being love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is the kind of fruit that the God of the scriptures bears. And whether or not God is speaking, whether or not God is creating in any given moment or healing, it does not change the character of this God, the God who is unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, if I were to walk up to a tree in the middle of January and see no apples, I would not declare it not an apple tree. It's just not in a season of fruitfulness. It is at rest. On the contrary, I think about the ways that I have encountered God over my short life and realize that oftentimes I allow my circumstances. What I can see, taste and touch dictate who the God is that I am searching for. In essence, I have walked up to a tree, seen no apples and determined it was something else altogether. I would ask God questions and I would encounter silence or confusion and would then allow that silence or confusion to dictate who God was. I would determine that he was silent or was withholding or was unkind, that I couldn't hear or he didn't want to speak to me. But may I ask you a question? Have you ever had someone judge you based on a moment? And their interpretation of that moment, that scenario, was not in alignment with your true character? Have you ever been misunderstood? Have you ever been in relationship with someone even quite close to you, that you thought knew you, and then they questioned you about your faithfulness or your friendship or whether or not you gossiped about them based on hearsay. And perhaps you looked at them and said, Don't you know me? Isn't it clear that that's not true to my character? There is nothing so painful as being misjudged by someone you thought knew you. However, it's quite understandable when someone who does not know you well misunderstands you. They have not yet had history with you. They've not yet had encounters with you to tell them otherwise. They don't know of your character. For someone new to you though, wouldn't you rather have them experience you rather than hear from others about who you are? I find that when others hear of me before they have encountered me personally, the information they have received is entirely inflated on the one hand. I'm not nearly as grand or wise or wonderful as they think or entirely incomplete. It's just reflective of one facet of me or my character or my interests, but it's not at all reflective of all of who I am. My hope is that they would take the time to stick around, spend time with me, to know me, because the best person to convey my character is me. And this is why it is so important for us, as we think about listening to God, to know first his character, to let him tell us who he says he is, and not let the world around us or our circumstances dictate his character. It is presumptuous to think that we can unpack the character of God in a 10-minute podcast, but there are a few places, foundational places, where we might begin. Because when we understand the character of a person, then we can interpret what they are saying or not saying in terms of who they truly are. We have much less a chance of misinterpreting, misunderstanding, misidentifying them if we know their heart. So when I look at Exodus 34:6, which is the most quoted scripture by the scriptures in the entire Bible, it says that God revealed himself to Moses. He passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, and faithfulness. These are the ways that God defines himself. When we turn to the New Testament and we witness Jesus, the God-man, as a youth leader told me, God in a bod, we witness a man who is unlike any other. The scriptures record that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. If we want to know who God is, we need to look no further than Jesus. Jesus. His character, the tone and texture of his voice, the way that he interacts with people, he is altogether unpredictable, and yet compelling in every way. No action of his is unloving, though it's not always understandable. He's not always fuzzy and warm, but he is always true. He is absolutely compelling. And Jesus has this moment. It's the one moment where he reveals his own heart. It is in Matthew 11. And he says, This, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Essentially, he says, Put my yoke upon your shoulders, let me walk with you, carry what I carry. It may appear heavy at first, but it's perfectly fitted to the curves of your body. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. When you are yoked to me, your weary soul will find rest. In another translation, that humble in heart is actually translated as lowly. For I am gentle and lowly. Jesus reveals his own heart, and of all the words, of all the things that he could have said about himself, that he's powerful, Lord of Lords, holy, perfect, you know, all the things he could have explained, he chose gentle and lowly. Dane Ortland has a beautiful book entitled That Very Thing, Gentle and Lowly, and he unpacks this reality, that when we come across someone who is lowly. Think of someone in the streets who is impoverished, a small child in the center of a living room. They're approachable, aren't they? Whereas someone high on a throne in an elevated place, a place of fame or prominence or fortune, typically they seem untouchable, far from being able to encounter or approach, interact with. And yet Jesus wants us to know that the God of the universe is gentle and approachable. We can come to him with everything that we are and all that we are laden with. And we will find rest for our very souls. Please understand that you don't have a soul. You are a soul. In Genesis, it says that God formed from the dust a man and then breathed into him. And he said, Ah, a living soul. Nefesh hayah is the word. He formed a living soul. Dust and breath, body and spirit. We don't have a body, we are a body. We don't have a spirit, we are a spirit. You are a living soul, all of you, bound together. This body is the interface by which we experience the living God. It is the visible, fleshy thing that makes the invisible visible, your personality, your likes, your dislikes, your passions, your loves. This is the body by which we experience it all. It is what animates our spirit. And so, this is why what we do with our bodies affects our spirits. Our very posture affects the spirit, and our spirit affects our posture. Our whole lives must be brought before this God who is gentle and low, approachable, humble of heart. And so, today, God, we come to you. We acknowledge that you are gentle, that you are abounding in love. In faithfulness slow to anger you're so incredibly patient and we just simply ask god what is it that you want me to know today there's a moment when jesus encounters his disciples and he says no longer do i call you servants i call you my friends He says, I came not to be served, but to serve. Could you imagine God, the living God, desiring to serve you today, to relieve you of your burdens? I want to ask you, what burdens are you carrying? What burden is just too heavy? As that burden comes to mind, if it were an object, what would it be? The person, a thing, a schedule, whatever comes to mind. Would you just get a sense of God before you? Perhaps he's kneeling, maybe standing. What is the sense you get of this God that approaches, comes near? Would you see yourself handing him that burden that is so heavy? What does he do with it? And what does he give you in exchange? What do you sense? It could be a word or an encouragement, a hug, a sense in your body. It could be something altogether different. Regardless, receive what he offers. Release what is heavy. Let him carry all things today. God, you are compassionate and gracious, abounding in love and faithfulness, slow to anger, gentle, approachable, humble of heart. And we get to throw off every idea, every burden, everything that comes against the truth of who you say you are. God, we want to come to know the truth of who you say that you are. And we ask you, the one true God, would you speak to us today and every day?